0: Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Kalori, a senior editor at Wired, and you are listening to The Gadget Lab. I'm here with my co-hosts, Wired senior writer Ariel Pardes. Hello. And Wired senior writer Lauren Good. Hello. Today, we are kicking things off with a conversation about AirPods. Yay, AirPods. On Monday, Apple announced the new AirPods Pro. This updated version of Apple's wire-free headphones are more compact, they come with active noise-canceling ability, and they cost $250. They're sure to be a hit because regardless of how you personally might feel about AirPods, the iPhone-owning public loves them by and large, and the little white nubs have become one of the defining products of our era. Lauren, let's start with you. How do you feel about the AirPods?
1: I managed to get a loaner pair of AirPods yesterday as part of our standard review process. And our colleague Parker Hall will be reviewing them. He has a pair right now as well. So if you have questions, send them to Parker on Twitter. Um, and we'll be sure to try to answer them. Right now, I will say that these are what the first AirPods should have been. They're pretty, they're pretty nifty. I'm not sure yet if they're $250 nifty. <laughs> they're pretty expensive. But when I think to what earbuds should be and how others have approached earbuds with soft flexible silicone tips and trying to make them maybe a little bit smaller and more compact uh i would say like i just kind of wish the original airpods were like this the original airpods now feel clunky and feel like they have an awkwardly long stick relative to these there's also a couple of ways in which The iPhone experience is optimized, or I should say the AirPod experience is optimized if you have an iPhone, Mm -hmm. which is not surprising because Apple builds things so that it can lock you into its ecosystem. So now when you go to the control center on your iPhone, if you have the AirPods in, and you go to the volume bar just to swipe up or down in volume, you see a little AirPods icon there. So you know that you're connected to AirPods right from there, and if you long press on that volume bar it brings you to a sub menu where you can control things like the noise cancellation and the transparency that of course is not going to happen on an android phone
0: wow that's very cool and you can't even really pair them with an android phone right
1: you can over bluetooth oh, but okay. then you're not using this super special custom chip called the h1 and uh, you know that apple has made and the very first airpods it was called the w1 i think and now mm-hmm. it's called the h1 but this is the way that they control the wireless protocol so that it's it's better with your apple stuff
0: interesting Arielle, what are your thoughts on these new AirPods Pro?
2: Well, let's talk about what's actually changed here, because these look pretty different, but similar. They're still recognizably AirPods. Lauren has kindly uh, put hers in the middle of the table. So, dear <laughs> listeners, I will do my best to describe to you what these look like.
0: It's always kills on audio. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so, so, like the first version of AirPods, they're small and white and plastic. You can get them in any color you want, as long as it's white. Um, these ones have ear tips for the first time, little silicone tips, because comfy. Not so comfy to have hard plastic wedged into your ear for long periods of time. So this is a this is a big upgrade. I've been seeing people on Twitter talking about the silicone ear tips a lot, which is a funny thing to be trending, but um, very comfy. And then there's a little vent, which is supposed to equalize the pressure in your ear hole. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the stems are a bit shorter, though, in my opinion, they still kind of look like little toothbrushes stuck <laughs> in your ear. Um, but they do look different. And um, they've also been packed, despite being a little bit smaller, they have a slightly better battery. Though still not great battery life compared to other wireless earbuds on the market. But you get a slight improvement there. Um, And as Lauren mentioned, there's the new chip inside. Um, They still look like Apple products. Like, they look nice but dorky at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I would say the battery claim that Apple is making is actually on par with the previous pair. But they... Is it like
0: four and a half hours? Yeah, it's about
1: four and a half hours. So it's four and a half hours if you are planning on using the noise-canceling frequently because that's active noise canceling. It's not just like it's blocking out the noise in your ear. They're actually sending anti-noise sound into your ear canal. And so that takes a little more power. So if you don't use that, you can expect to get about five hours per charge, which is what you were going to get with the old pair. Um, So it's, you know, the battery life, I would actually say is one of those things that you could probably go and do some research now. And I know our team has done this and said, like, You can find something, a totally wire-free earbud right now that gets you closer to eight hours.
2: Yeah, which makes me wonder, if you're not a huge Apple fan, I I understand that there's a market for these that's built in among people who are Apple devotees. They want the thing that looks like Apple. They want the thing that works with their Apple devices. And they're going to buy the Apple thing no matter what. But if you're just a person looking for wire-free headphones, which I think applies to a a broad group of people... um, how do these stack up compared to other other options on the market?
0: Uh, well, the, like there has there has been a lot of discussion about the price, right? Two hundred fifty dollars, and if you look at like competitively, what other people are doing at that price point, the AirPods Pro are just a little bit beyond competitive with the price of other models, right? Like, uh, okay, let me back up for a second because I want to make sure that we distinguish. These wire-free headphones from the other wire-free headphones that are out there because these have, as Lauren mentioned, active noise canceling in them. Um, The silicone tip on the end makes a seal in your ear to isolate the noise of the outside world, but that's also the thing that enables the active noise canceling to do its job. And um, you mentioned, Lauren, that you were pretty impressed by the uh, noise cancellation on your on your first try of them.
1: Yeah, the way that it works is that there's now a microphone inside on the inner part of the pod, not just on the stick mm-hmm. of the AirPod, on the stem. Um, so what they're doing is they're blocking off the noise coming in. But then if any extra noise happens to get in and it bounces off of your ear, you know, out of your ear canal, the inner microphone hears that. And then that means that the... Noise canceling adjusts and sends more anti noise into your ear. Right, and I listened to it on the train this morning, and it was well. I was um, I was actually listening to notes for a story that I'm reporting, <laughs> and you know, it's a, a train is noisy, and I I thought it was I thought it worked pretty well.
0: So that's a mechanism. It's uh, usually called hybrid ANC or feed forward and feedback ANC, and that's something that's like relatively rare in the world of wire free earbuds. It's more common on. Over-ear noise-canceling headphones like Bose or Master and Dynamic or something like that,
1: which will probably cost you about two hundred and fifty or more.
0: Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. the thing. So the 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 inner the the ones that go in your ears that don't have any wires coming out of them, the one that is the most popular one right now that everybody loves is the Sony wf-1000xm3 which is like a perfect name for a sony product yeah why sony's did you have
1: so to there. read that off your laptop i don't know you, yes. <laughs> you didn't just know
0: that <laughs> they don't know that i'm reading off my laptop okay, okay. um those are 230 dollars. the sony's that everybody loves those are 20 dollars cheaper than the apple airpods pro um there's also the master dynamic uh they put out a, a an active noise canceling version of their wi free earbuds those are three hundred dollars So the AirPods Pro are kind of in the middle there. Um, Bose has some new ones coming out next year. They're called the Bose Earbuds 500 that have inside-out noise-canceling. And those we can probably expect to be around $250, maybe a little bit cheaper now, now that Apple's done theirs. Um, The big one, though, is the Amazon Echo Buds. Which were announced Uh earlier this fall. They are wire-free headphones that slot in your ears. That block out noise that have active noise canceling on them. Those are one hundred and thirty dollars. Okay,
2: but are they any good? Like when I think about Amazon making hardware and Apple <laughs> making hardware, it just feels like apples and oranges, if you if you will. Sure, apples yes. and Amazon, if yes. you will. <laughs> um, Amazon did partner with
1: Bose for these, though.
0: Yeah, they said that uh, it has Bose noise reduction technology in it, hmm. which which is curiously not the words noise canceling technology. Yeah. That also
2: sounds like partnering with Bose, but in like the most hands-off way possible. Right? Possibly licensing their tech. That's right, yeah. rather than actually having them build the hardware. So so what do people say about those? They're much cheaper. They give you a lot of the same feature set, allegedly. How do they stack up in the wild?
0: They've been getting pretty good reviews. Um, our our audio reviewer, Parker Hall, is going to be testing them for us. Um, we'll probably have a review, I think, next week. But from what we know, they have really good sound and really good battery life, but that the noise canceling is like, you know, a little bit extra on top of what you already get from the isolation of having the things plugged into your ears. So maybe not the best noise-canceling tech but good sound and good other stuff. Um, plus they have Alexa. Just hmm. like the AirPods are Siri machines, the Amazon Echo Buds are Alexa machines.
1: One thing that you do get now from the AirPods Pro is Siri will read incoming text messages to you. doesn't stop the music entirely, I don't think. In Siri's voice, sounds perhaps a little less harsh or jarring than it has in the past. So it just kind of says, like, you know, Alex says blah, blah, blah while you're (laughs) listening to whatever you're listening to. And you can turn that off in case you find that highly irritating. But I don't think because, I mean, Alexa's not working over your cellular protocol or your messaging protocol, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think Alexa will do the same thing for you. I could be wrong, but I don't think you can get that. Like, Mm. your messages read aloud.
0: Well, I have a question for the room. Um, Are AirPods still the worst thing ever? Or are we getting used to them now?
2: I mean, (laughs) I think we've got an election coming up, climate change, wildfires across California. No, they're not the worst thing ever. Lots of people like them. I think they're sort of a symbol of everything that's wrong with Silicon Valley culture. Mm. But I don't know that that's entirely earned, right? Like, there's a, a sort of representation of like someone wearing AirPods and wearing Allbirds and like maybe having a beanie and like a hoodie and like this has come to represent the sort of uh, disaster of of the tech world. But in terms of what they do as an actual product, like they're great. People love them.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you disagree, Lauren? No, I, I think you're totally right in that because of their very unique aesthetic, they have come to represent something, some type of hybrid hoodie tech bro cyborg thing that is, I mean, it's a its a very real aesthetic that is, exists in the world that we cover. I mean, there was this moment recently where I was in my car and I looked over to the side and next to me was a, a, a minivan. And there was a very young teenager sitting in the minivan uh, with presumably his mom driving the car. And he just was heads down in his phone with AirPods. And it struck me as very jarring, like because they're so distinctive, like you just see them right away. And I was like, Oh, he's like, totally blocking out the world right now he's like not interacting with his family in the car he's just and then I realized I did the same thing when I was a teenager I was like sitting in the car with a Sony Walkman and giant headphones and like not paying attention to what anybody else had to say and doing well in my own world and like I don't know I just yeah I think I think you're right Ariel in that they they've become representative of something greater but at the end of the day they're they're headphones they're just headphones
0: yeah And there are a lot of headphones out there that you see people wearing all the time that uh, cost as much or more than AirPods. So I don't really get the criticism that they they signal wealth necessarily more so than just a smartphone and any pair of wireless headphones signals wealth. Maybe it's just more conspicuous because they're bright white.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit more ridiculous that Apple's calling them pro (laughs) (laughs) instead of just charging a lot of money for them. Uh,
0: So what happens if you lose one?
1: Oh, you have to um, make a missed connection on Craigslist? (laughs) (laughs) So you can replace them if you lose one. You can replace the case. It is going to cost you. For me, the bigger question is, is Apple going to start looking more at repairability and how they construct these AirPods going forward? Because um, the company has confirmed that this pair of AirPods is no more repairable than the prior two versions of AirPods. And so if they break or your battery dies, as it will eventually, because it's a lithium ion battery that runs out of charges at some point, they can't fix it. They just th- they recycle them. That's what happens. You can't fix these things. I've had this experience with my Apple Watch, too. It's so tiny, and the way things are glued, you just can't get it fixed. So that's bothersome when you consider that millions of these are sold, and within a couple of years, might not be as effective anymore.
0: Yeah. Once the batteries die, mm-hmm. they're just landfill. Mm-hmm. Well, Yeah. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break, Uh, and when we come back, we'll be talking about smart speakers and how and when they record what you say and how to keep those recordings private. Welcome back, everyone. Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, Cortana. The makers of all these major smart assistants have come under fire recently for violating their users' privacy. They relied on third-party contractors to transcribe bits of audio that had been recorded, often without the consumer's knowledge or permission. We're going to dig into what it really means to have a smart speaker in your home and how to control your privacy. And trigger warning, if you're listening to this podcast through speakers, there's a good chance that this conversation or one of those words that I said at the beginning of this intro might activate any nearby smart speakers. So put in your AirPods Pro for the rest of the show. Lauren... (laughs) What's going on in the world of smart speakers?
1: Sure. So one of the reasons why we're talking about this is because our colleagues over on the security desk wrote a great guide this week on how to control the amount of data that is being shared with these big tech companies if you have one of these smart speakers in your home or you use one of these voice assistants regularly. And so I recommend everybody go check that out. I personally have not gone through the steps yet of of doing this, but I think one of the problems with these the dashboards that you're supposed to go into is that people just don't think to do this. They set up a smart speaker in their home. They start saying, hey, Google. Okay, trigger warning, you know, or yeah. Alexa. <laughs> and, and then they're just using it and they're off to the races. And then lo and behold, it turns out that behind the scenes, there are very real human beings who are listening to your anonymized little audio snippets and making notes on them to send back to the company and say, this is where we need to improve. So over the past few months, We've had the opportunity to, throughout some of our other reporting, to ask companies like Microsoft and Google about this, because it's been in the news. It's been a pretty big point of discussion. And we've also asked an outside AI expert about this, someone who's working at Stanford. And, And what we've heard so far is that most technologists say that it's going to be Five years or more before we're at the point where these voice assistants, these voice AIs can actually get smarter without this kind of human annotation. Because when it comes to language, language is a very complicated thing. As these companies expand to offering services in different languages, you have to you have to basically hire human annotators who understand and interpret those different languages. There's slang, there's dialect, there's nuances, there are all these things that make language and speech recognition very complicated. And so there isn't like a robot out there yet that can train the robots. So this is in no way a defense of these companies that have used these systems without making clear exactly what they're doing. But I do think we're a little ways from figuring out a real solution to this that doesn't involve other humans listening to our anonymized bits of audio.
2: Yeah, I think that's the right way to think about it. There is a trade-off here between your privacy and your smart speaker improving, or rather your smart assistant improving. Um, people love to complain about how Alexa or Google Assistant won't understand what they're saying in the context that they're saying it. Um, But at the same time, people are really worried about what's happening to these little snippets of their voice recordings when they get circulated around companies. Um, The controversy seemed to center on the fact that in many of these cases, the companies are using third party companies or contractors to help review these audio snippets. So there's slightly less accountability, there's slightly less insurance of privacy. Um, In July, Apple had a big scandal around people listening to Siri recordings. In July, there was a Google Assistant scandal. Amazon preemptively introduced this Alexa feature, which is basically to forget everything that Alexa has recorded that day. So it's sort of like an ongoing debate. But I, I think that the piece of it that's sometimes missing is that, like, of course, no one wants random people listening to what they're saying in their home. But also nobody wants a speaker that can't be Used because it doesn't understand what you're saying.
0: The whole thing will probably be viewed as a historical mistake in about 10 years, at least I'm hoping. Um, And it's just because it, to me, it really exposes the power of market pressure, right? Like these speakers and these voice assistants were introduced to us as things that we need. And like, do we actually need them? Are they really that helpful? Well, there's a lot of like marketing and there's a lot of, you know, real world examples thrown at us to show us how they can help us. I think the jury is still out on whether or not they've actively improved our lives. But here we are. We're several years into it. Everybody's competing on this and everybody wants to get their speaker, which they claim is smarter than the other person's speaker, into your house, their assistant onto your phone, into your toaster, into your Tesla, into all the different places where you spend your day. and. Like we've said, the technology is not ready for that. Like it's not really ready to be in all those places, but they have to be there because that's where the future is and they all want to have that foothold. That's really troubling to me. Even more so is the fact that they're starting to show up in public places now. Like uh, Amazon has a, um, a program called Alexa for hospitality that encourages uh, hotels to put echo speakers in the hotel rooms so that you can use it for things like automated checkout. Uh, you can use it as like a concierge. You can use it to order room service. Although I can't imagine that like anybody's room service order is so simple that they'd be able to just tell Alexa and then it would get it right, right? Like what is the garni du jour? Alexa, you know, they're not going to be able to tell you that. Whereas the person on the phone would probably be able to tell you that.
2: Okay, Mike. Yeah, no, I'm serious, <laughs>
0: right? This is it's how I do hotels. Sorry. Um, you know, there's, there's also, uh, they would love to be in schools. They would love to have these in classrooms. Those are weird things. Even weirder mm-hmm. uh, is that like Airbnbs, people just have them in their Airbnbs. So you check into an Airbnb and there's a listening device there. I mean, granted, I don't know if anybody feels like they really have an expectation of privacy whenever they're staying in a hotel or at an Airbnb, but it just feels like one step further than comfortable.
1: Yeah. A reporter recently asked Rick Osterloh, who's the head of hardware at Google and who you know recently was on stage during Google's uh, annual fall hardware event and was talking about the helpful home and the helpful this. That's Google's line for these products. And this reporter asked Osterloh, I mean, are we, and I'm paraphrasing, but are we at the point where if someone comes into your home and you have a smart speaker, you should tell them, you should warn them, essentially. And Osterloh seemed a little caught off guard by the question. And then after thinking about it for a bit, uh, said, yeah, like we might be at the place where you need to tell somebody before they enter a space that there there are microphones everywhere. It's in some ways not that different from everybody having smartphones. But yeah, like you, you, the Airbnb is a great example. You should know when you roll up to an Airbnb if you're staying there, if there's a Nest camera, if there's a Google Home speaker, if there's an Echo, if there's something that's recording your voice, but the app it's being shared to, the end database, is not one that you have any control over.
2: I don't know that I would equate. A Nest camera and a smart speaker. Really? Yeah. I see those as different gradations because if someone has a camera that is specifically meant to record what's going on in the house for security reasons um, or perhaps capturing a jolly moment with a child or a pet, uh, I think that needs to be disclosed, particularly if it's in an Airbnb or a hotel. But my understanding is that most people aren't going through their echo recordings of the day and, and asking Alexa to review everything that's been recorded. Also, we should mention that like these things we think are not recording 24 seven. They're only recording in the few seconds before or after a trigger word, right? So right. I do think that the the expectation of privacy is different.
1: But people can trigger those wake words just by saying something else. Like sometimes I'm saying the word seriously at home and all my Apple devices light up.
2: That's right. And a lot of the controversy around, uh, you know, Humans listening to these recordings on the back end is that they don't pick up the things that people think they're picking up. So there were lots of stories of, you know, like household fights or bedroom noises that were getting picked up by these smart speakers that then some human contractor is listening to. And then reporting back to like Google or whatever saying this was Incorrectly triggered? I think at a
1: fundamental level, the smart speaker and the voice assistant in the home question is one that is about how much are we getting from these devices Mm -hmm. versus how much they're getting from us. I think with smartphones, people have made the trade off. They are so valuable in so many of our lives at this point. That, okay, I've got a GPS tracking device in my pocket all day long, right? I'm using apps that are siphoning away all of my personal data and sending it to places I don't even understand, but I need my smartphone. I think that's the trade-off a lot of people have made. And I think with voice assistants, I mean, I maybe use mine at home like a couple times a day at most, wants probably to check the weather another time to turn off the TV um, because I have Alexa in a sound bar. And so I find that really useful. Uh, and, and then I know folks will say, folks with kids will say, well, it's really great just to like call up the song that my my child wants to listen to and things like that. Um, but like, otherwise it's not like, I could I could lose it in my home and be totally okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, every time I see one of those things, I have to tell myself now, and this is a relatively recent, development for me but when i see when i say there's a human listening to that
1: oh that's because interesting there
0: there is like almost certainly at some point a human is going to hear my voice through their ears and not because they like clicked on this podcast
2: and does that make you feel loved
0: it, yeah it does you know it really does
1: <laughs> you're not alone
0: it adds a little spark
1: it's like samantha the operating
0: system
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oof.
0: All right. Well, uh, that was a good talk. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll do our recommendations, shall we? Okay, it's time for recommendations. Lauren, what are you into this week?
1: It's been a busy week, but I still wanted to keep up with news that doesn't have anything to do with the tech news. And so I've been listening to NPR's Up First podcast in the mornings this is uh, npr's version of the daily if you're familiar with the new york times daily podcast it's brief i think you know 13 to 15 minutes per episode and uh, this week i've been learning a lot about what's going on with the california wildfires i've been learning about the impeachment inquiry that's happening and just other things i want to stay informed on and i think npr does a great job with
2: this podcast and i highly recommend it
0: that's great uh, Ariel, your recommendation?
2: Yeah, I would love to recommend a story on vice.com, my former employer. This is uh, Ali Conti's wild tale of an Airbnb scam ring. Um, I won't spoil it, but it starts with Ali staying in an Airbnb and it ends with Ali unraveling about 100 fraudulent Airbnbs. Uh, run by some scammers, uh, which the Airbnb, the company, seems to have done very little to address. It is a wild tale. There's some great investigative reporting. And Ali Conti is just a fantastic, fantastic writer. Everything she writes kind of feels like she's telling it to you at a bar. Um, And this is indeed the kind of story that, one, I learned a lot about Airbnb's policies and about how they, their policies have made it quite easy for fraudsters to thrive on the platform. But two, it's the kind of story that like I will definitely tell to someone at a bar <laughs> this week. It's it's juicy. You can read it on Vice.com. That's Were there awesome.
1: smart speakers in these Airbnbs? I don't think so, but you know, it's it's hard to say. Maybe that's how she unraveled the scam. (laughs) Um, It's great. Mike, what are you
2: into this week?
0: Uh, So there's a brand new podcast from um, the Los Angeles Times. Uh, It's called This is California. And it debuted this week with uh, the first hour, which is called The Battle of 187. It's October 1994. One of those damn Southern California autumns where the weather is hot and windy. I'm 15 years old outside Anaheim High School. Go colonists. And the school day's done. So I'm walking home when out of nowhere, some white boys yell at me from a truck. At first, I don't know what they're saying. Then I make it out. They're shouting, 187, 187. And I looked at them and I'm like, huh? Like, I just didn't understand what they meant. So I walk home. I turn on the news. And there, I see protesters against something called Proposition 187. Proposition 187 was on the ballot in California in 1994. It was an initiative that, if passed, would limit the rights of illegal immigrants, uh, denying them health care, denying them public services, and their kids would not be able to attend public schools in California. So it was branded by a lot of people as racist. And it passed like roughly 60 to 40, so by a very big margin. Um, Governor Pete Wilson basically hinged his uh, re-election on it. And then something really curious happened, which is uh, the policies were challenged in court and deemed to be uh, unenforceable. And it really mobilized Latinos in California to vote and to become involved. And it ended up turning California blue over the next... 2025 20, years. So on the 25th anniversary of Prop 187, uh this podcast comes out and the reporter on it and the person who hosted is Gustavo Ariano who is awesome. I love everything that he does. Uh and this is uh, his first big podcast swing at the LA Times. So um it's really juicy. It's really incredible. It takes place like where I grew up. So I'm, I feel special attachment to it in Orange County in the 90s. Uh, so that is my recommendation. The, the show is called This is California. But this particular um, launch week, it's one hour, three episodes, about 20 minutes each called The Battle of 187.
2: That sounds awesome. It really does.
0: It's good. And, I, uh, you know, the reason I'm recommending it because, like, it's especially prescient if you live in California and you were there for it. But it's also, you know. It's very much woven into the discussion that we're having right now about illegal immigration and how much has changed in 25 years and how much has not changed in 25 years.
2: Well, Mike, that sounds like a great podcast.
0: It is. And I, and I, and I look forward to listening to it again in my AirPods Pro with the noise cancelling <laughs> turned on.
2: I'm going to listen to it on my uh, Echo.
0: just ask for it Uh, if you enjoyed this week's episode or if you have any other feedback please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice we'd love to hear your feedback and it helps other people who might enjoy the show find the show you can also find us on Twitter Lauren tell people how to find you on Twitter
1: I'm at Lauren good with an E at the end
0: Arielle how do they find you on Twitter
2: at part esoteric
0: and I'm at SnackFight. You can also talk to all of us at Gadget Lab, which is our main Twitter feed for all the work that we do at Wired and for this show. And until next week, stay cool.